0: Okay. with mr brian terry hey between those who we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have why
1: don't you give us a call it's 291 and you put a 225 in front of that for our area code you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental united states this morning that's absolutely right we wish you would we always enjoy hearing from folks and we've got clark's been patiently holding good morning clark good
2: morning good morning thanks for coming in on the holiday
1: weekend <laughs> yes sir <laughs> good morning
2: yeah, I've got a 2004 Camry SE with a 2.4 okay. four-cylinder engine, yes, sir. with 111,000 miles on it. I've mm-hmm. got apparently there's something going on with the carburetor or the throttle body thickened. You know, when you stomp down on it, it just stays stuck. It's wide open, kills the car. Okay. And it's hard to start. It takes a while. And after a while, it'll, eventually it'll start. And I got two error codes. Okay. P0121, about the throttle. Right, idle. Metal mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And also got a P2112, throttle actuator control system stuck closed.
0: Yeah, sounds, Clark, like something may have come apart inside that throttle body because I'm pretty sure that one's going to be drive-by-wire on 2004. It doesn't have any linkage or anything going to it. It's all pretty much electronically yeah. controlled.
2: Yeah, exactly, because I was yeah. looking at the linkage. It's been a long time since yeah, I Yeah, there's no linkage on it. It's got an accelerator yeah. pedal
0: sensor, and then it's got a motor inside the throttle body. It would have to be a fault inside that motor, and what's going to happen is that as soon as the computer sees that it can't actuate the throttle properly, it's going to shut it down because it doesn't mm-hmm. want the car to run away with you. But that would almost have to be inside the throttle body itself, and there are no serviceable parts inside of it. One thing you could just attempt to do is to take it off and clean it and put it back together, there is a very small chance that may help, but I'm going to vote that it's probably something in the little motor itself's it's malfunctioned. Something's physically come mm-hmm. apart and is binding up inside the throttle body. Now, that's going to be a pretty expensive little piece. You uh-huh. might be able to go to a salvage yard or something and find one. On an old four, it should not require programming, so you should be able to find, if you can find a used one, you could probably substitute that over.
2: Yeah, I've been looking on the Internet. Mm-hmm. You're right. They want like a 1000 bucks. I was going to say, I yeah, thought they were yeah. very
0: expensive. I know just the idle motor on that thing is about $300, and that's only a part of it. So the throttle buy is pretty pricey. Do
2: you see any read To me, it seems like it might be worth it to try to find a aftermarket model. I doubt very crazy. seriously you, you're
0: going to find that yeah. because those are so vehicle-specific. I don't think the aftermarket can afford to tool up and make them.
2: I don't know i found a bunch of them on the internet you might find some kind of a high
0: performance one you know it's not going to be the same as the original stock unit which Mm -hmm. may end up giving you problems with check engine lights and getting a vehicle Mm -hmm. inspection and all that if there is a direct replacement aftermarket i'm not aware of it but if there is then yeah that would be another option You you could check that and see but tell you the truth clark i would rather have a used uh, original equipment part than a new aftermarket part i've just had so much trouble with the aftermarket stuff a lot of it is made offshore somewhere it doesn't even meet the specs right out of the box at least a used part is an original
1: toyota part
0: and i got to say, that's a fairly uncommon failure. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of that. So, yeah, so
1: you should be able to find it pretty easy, Yeah, a used one.
0: Yeah, if you can find one, it should be fine. Find one, maybe somebody ran an engine out of oil and burnt the engine mm-hmm. up or
1: ran it hot. Yeah, a total. You know, yeah,
0: somehow they, they damage the motor and they'll sell you the throttle body because if they've got a good motor, they don't want to sell a throttle body off of it. But I would yeah. think that could be found. And like I said, I would prefer a used original Toyota one, I think, to anyone, anything else.
2: I did notice when I was doing the research on the internet there was a lot of a lot of stuff about recalls on that particular model on that throttle body. And well, they the did problem. because
0: that was back around the time they were having that throttle sticking issue mm-hmm. reputedly. And I think they were coming up with different software renditions and stuff and different safeguards to keep mm-hmm. that from happening. And as as I understand it, once they finally figured it out, it wasn't the car at all. It was actually... The floor mats and driver air and all these other things that they've contributed to. But I would think you could probably find a used one somewhere where It would be your, your least expensive option. Okay, But you might just try cleaning it and see. I mean, you really don't have much to lose on a little bit of time. It's, it's possible it could have some carbon buildup that's sticking the blade in it. Just make well,
2: sure. yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. That was going to be my first, <laughs> yeah. My
3: first step.
2: You yeah, know? yeah.
0: Get some regular throttle body cleaner. We use a product that we buy from Chrysler. Chrysler has a throttle body cleaner that we use on everything just because we mm-hmm. like it. But, I mean, you can buy it from a parts store, but you don't want to spray just anything down in there because some of those throttle bores are anodized, and if you put too strong of a cleaner, you can eat the anodization off, and it'll start leaking through the throttle body. It won't idle, and it'll give you all kinds of problems.
1: Just make sure when you get ready to do it that you take the keys out of the ignition, yeah. take them out of the car, make sure that there's the key is not left on, because <clears throat> if you can move that throttle plate, if the key is on, that little motor may try to close it, uh-huh. And if your fingers are in it, <laughs> it's going to close oh, on your fingers. You're not going to have a good day. No. <laughs> you're uh-huh. screaming at your wife to come turn the key yeah. off. <laughs> Honestly, I like to take them off the car. Yeah. Because you can get mm-hmm. to the backside to clean them real well that way. And usually yeah. they've got a rubber gasket that you can reuse when you put it back together. So it's just a matter of unbolting it, cleaning it, and putting it back on. Right.
2: Oh, yeah, it looked pretty simple. I was amazed.
1: Mm-hmm. It looked like yeah. it was only like
2: four bolts yeah it's pretty orange. simple four bolts and, and, four, and an
1: electrical plug that's it yeah and a couple of hoses,
2: a few hoses mm-hmm. and that was about it all right so you would use you would be all right cleaning one of those spray carburetor cleaners that i would, would get a
0: throttle body cleaner yeah it on, says throttle body yeah, cleaner on it it shouldn't be okay. three or four bucks a can it's not really expensive but you want something you don't want to use like a carburetor cleaner or something that's real harsh because it can actually damage it so you want something that says throttle body cleaner on the right. label
1: we buy that mopar stuff by the case yeah i just keep buy it in the shop from yeah Dodge,
0: but Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, all right, it. Hey, all right call him, man. Bye-bye.
2: Y'all have a good day. Thank, Thank you, sir.
0: Bye-bye. All one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you're a part of the automotive, aisle, we'd love to have you. And we've got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, good sir. morning,
4: Mr. Bruce. Uh, how's it going? Good. Here we are. I think I had asked you this question before, and you, you said did? something about looking into it about yes, oil filters. Sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Got a 07 GMC with a 4.8 motor. Correct. It takes the PF48 yes. oil filter. Right. Now, the last, I buy my own filters, mm-hmm. and the last filters I bought, all I could find was a
0: 48E. Yeah, I have not had chance to look into that, Mr. Bruce. You did call with that a couple of weeks ago. I've been on vacation for two weeks, so <laughs> I just got back and had a chance to look into it. But, yeah, that's one of my priorities. As soon as I get the opportunity to research it and, and find out more, I may have to. I've asked Delco about it, and like I said, they only say that it's just packaging is the only difference. But I'm a little skeptical about that,
4: just like you well. are. I'm particular about stuff like that. Yeah. I, I just want to know what the difference Yeah, I'm
0: hoping to find that out. As soon as I do, I'll announce it on the show.
4: Well, I asked some people when I bought them at a parts right. store, and they all they said was, oh, they just changed the number.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
4: but those people aren't as knowledgeable as they'd like you to believe. Yeah,
0: and I don't know. I've found Delco doing a lot of really quirky things lately. I just have lost a lot, a lot of faith in them as a company.
4: Yeah, well, you're not the only one, especially after Obama got through with (laughs) him. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Bye bye. All right,
0: 291 6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Mm -hmm. Buy, we always love hearing from you. Let's go. You give us a call. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Travel my way, take the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hi, folks. Louis Aldezan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> West, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of
3: you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! Oh, 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. Oh, donuts.
0: Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. you just joined us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis and with Mr. Brian Terry. We really appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us, and why don't you give us a call. It's 291-6901 to help you out and point you in the right direction.
1: And should you happen not to want to be on the air today or maybe think of something after we go off the air at 11 o'clock today, right. you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. And the address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that's take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company to get you to our site. And there's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and click the submit button, and that's yeah, it. It couldn't be easier. Just get it on over to us. We'll get
0: asked back to you always within 24 hours, and most time a lot faster. Just, just on
1: depends on when you send it.
0: Where I happen to be at the time <laughs> <laughs> was driving into New Orleans thursday afternoon uh-huh. and of course when you hit the 12 mile bridge oh, yeah. it's backed up just bumper to bumper with all the fourth of july traffic and what have you and i'm sitting there at an idle for i don't know 10 15 20 minutes and i'm just thinking to myself how happy i am that i maintained the cooling system on my car <laughs> well, most
1: definitely because you know as well as i do there's nowhere to get off that bridge to no. get to the 310 that's right
0: and sure that we're sitting here. It's 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Sure. Which is, what, 30 degrees Celsius, Celsius. right. Which is very hot outside, and you're just sitting stopped, which is not much air flowing through your radiator, so there's nothing to cool it other than the cooling fans. And, of course, my car, the temperature gauge, never got over normal, right. and the air conditioning worked just fine, and I was real, real pleased. <laughs> but I'm thinking about all the folks who maybe have not maintained their cooling system as well right. as should have or just things that do go wrong and overheating today is not like in your dad's day
1: or your granddad's day or even your day if you're old enough right cars were built a whole lot more robust back then they were built with all similar metals you had cast iron heads you had a cast iron block all that heated and cooled at the same rate same rate today's engines you have dissimilar metals you have aluminum heads you have Iron block. Steel head bolts. Steel head bolts. And when a car starts to overheat, those metals expand at different rates. And that aluminum is going to expand faster than the block wheel. That's right. Which will. And a lot faster than those head bolts will. Sure. And we've actually seen uh heads crack. Oh, yeah. Because of that. They, the head starts to expand, the bolt stops it, and it'll crack right around the bolt head. That's right. And. If you remember back in your old high
0: school chemistry class and all that, you generally had what they call a bimetallic strip in uh-huh. every high school lab. And it was a piece of maybe steel on one side riveted to a piece of aluminum on the other side. And you would heat it up and it would bow. Yeah. And it would bow considerably. And that's because the rates of thermal expansion on dissimilar metals vary greatly. Mm-hmm. And it's the same exact thing in an automobile engine nowadays. And like you hit on initially, the engines today have a lot less metal in them simply because they're trying to save weight. They're trying to save costs. Right. Lighter picks up fuel economy. That's right. So they've reduced the weight of the engines considerably. For instance, an engine back in the 1960s might have weighed, a small block Chevrolet probably weighed 550 pounds. Right. An engine today may weigh 200 pounds, 250 pounds. and Some of that is has physically been made smaller, but a lot of that is because they've left metals out. And the blocks are not as thick. The cast iron in the block, if it's cast iron, are not as thick. The heads are smaller. Everything is smaller, lighter, less stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So it's less able to deal with any kind of abuse. Right, Overheating is probably one of the worst forms of abuse a car can withstand. Not only because of the dissimilar metals and all of that, but you have to remember also back in the day we were talking about cars had maybe a 160-degree thermostat in them. Okay. So that meant they operated around 160 to 170 100, degrees was right. normal operating temperature. When they were, quote-unquote, getting hot, they were going to 200, maybe 220. Maybe. And we considered that pretty hot. Well, cars today – generally have a hundred and ninety five degree thermostat. That means they're operating around two hundred normal operating temperature. Right. Two hundred to two ten is normal operating temperature.
1: And sometimes your fans are regulated to come on at two twenty. Right. Or even two thirty in a right. few
0: weird cases.
1: But when an engine gets hot today, it's
0: probably going two hundred and forty degrees plus. Correct. And at that temperature some very, very drastic things are occurring. For instance, one of the things that a lot of folks don't think about is the pistons inside the cylinders start to expand. Right. Now, a piston is fitted to a cylinder wall. There's about two to three thousandths of an inch of clearance. And that's to allow the oil film to be in there to lubricate the piston so that the piston doesn't touch the cylinder wall. Now, when it starts to heat up, that piston is going to expand. Two to three thousandths is almost nothing. Sure. For 240 to 250 degrees. When it expands, there's no room for the oil to fit. So right. the piston starts rubbing against the cylinder wall. Now, you start rubbing two pieces of metal together and a little thing called friction is going to take over. This is going to get very, very hot, very, very quick, and it's going to start galling up. It's going to start chewing up the cylinder wall.
1: Sure, and you're already overheated.
0: You're already overheated. So the oil is already at its weakest ebb because it's as thin well, it's as it can get. The viscosity yeah. is very thin. It can't fit in these spaces to lubricate anything any longer. So you start to gall up the pistons. You start to gall up the cylinder walls. The rings start to chew up into the cylinder walls. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but like you mentioned earlier, the cylinder head starts to expand. When it does, there's nowhere for it to go because the head bolts are holding it down. Right. So it crushes the head gasket. It has to go down towards the engine block. That's the only place it can go. The bolts are keeping it from coming up. So it's going to crush that cylinder head gasket. Once that gasket is crushed and... It starts to get compression again, whereas once it cools down and compression comes up, it's going to blow the gasket out.
1: Right, because there's a gap there now.
0: That's right. It's not fitting properly, even if the head doesn't warp or crack, which it could do. Now, once the cylinder head gasket starts to leak, you start leaking hydrocarbons into the coolant, which just makes it start to overheat more and more and more. Sure. And that is an extremely, extremely expensive repair in most cases because the cylinder head gasket is way down inside the engine. You have sure. to take a lot of stuff off to get to it.
1: Well, and you've also got to recheck the heads. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you have to replace them. They can't be fixed. Right. Be so replaced. you have to replace the heads, mm-hmm. which on most V-type engines you have two. Mm-hmm. So, that's an additional cost, plus the labor to get down to them, plus well, the gaskets.
0: Even on like a little four-cylinder motor, like say a little Honda four-cylinder, that is an overhead cam engine. So, that head also contains the camshaft and all of that kind of stuff. Right. A cylinder head on a Honda
1: four-cylinder is about $1,700 for the part. Exactly. And what happens when that head heats up? The head is aluminum, mm-hmm. but the cam and the caps are steel. Yeah, cast iron. Right. Mm-hmm. So, the... Head expands, and when it does, it bows that cam, right? And it drives the cam into the thrust bearing that's, that's right. on one of the cap. Well, it eats into the thrust bearing four or five thousandths of an inch, and when it cools down, the cam wants to walk back and that's forth. Right. Now, and, and if the cam walks back and forth, it actually gets it loses its signal from the cam sensor. That's right. And you have problems with it dying or not running correctly. Well, and we had a
0: car come in not long ago, a little Honda Civic, with that exact problem. And what happened is over the years, it had been overheated a few times. It had been run low on all a few times. And the camshaft had worn the thrust bearing on the cylinder head, which is an integral part of the cylinder head. Right. So that what would happen is that when you're driving along, the car would just die. In other words, the camshaft would move back. Now, I'm talking two thousandths of an inch total allowable in play this one had about five right. so about two and a half times what it should have the camshaft would walk back when it did it would lose the cam signal wham the car would die start running bad first and then die mm-hmm. now the fix for
1: that is a new cylinder head, which right. like we said is about seventeen hundred dollars <laughs> right because that thrust bearing is actually part of the main cap that's right on the the camshaft mm-hmm. and to replace it you have to have the the camshaft the cam Right, you
0: have have a holding cylinder head because the caps are kind of like the caps on an engine. They're lying board. In other words, when they cast this head, they make a cap, they make a head casting, they put it together, run a machine through that, punches that out of a perfectly straight, perfectly sized line that the cams will fit
1: into. Correct.
0: Now, you can't just take one cap off and interchange it with another cap. Because right, because you've messed the The, it, it, the, the line won't work. It'll lock up or it'll have too much slack in it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you can't take the caps off an engine and mix them up. You can't take the one off number one and move it to number three. When you do, it's going to probably lock the engine up. Right. Or, or at very least, it'll wear the bearing out and, and burn it up and so on and so forth. So once that cam bearing and on a Honda, that thrust bearing only covers one half and there's just the metal on the cap. Has a thrust bearing. The lower part of the casing does not have a thrust bearing. Okay. So there's not a lot of metal there to start with. And if you start to overheat the car, or you start to run low on oil, or you go too long between your oil changes, and the viscosity breaks down, doesn't lubricate properly, you pick up some wear in that area. Well, next thing you know, you got a mystery problem with your car dying, and, and nobody can fix. <laughs> well, and once you do finally figure it out, it may very well be that the fix is a new car. Yeah, it exceeds the, the or value. new engine. Yeah, a new engine at very least, right or another engine. And so that's just one of the things. Now, when cars overheat, there's a lot more happening and a lot more things being damaged than, than
1: just the obvious right up just front.
0: The, the few things that we've talked
1: about right uh-huh. there.
0: We're going to go back into that in a whole lot more detail in the second section. We're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more. Hi, it's Louis Aldazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide.
5: Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. (laughs) I'm just
2: kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) Ho,
0: ho, ho. Lewis, fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go.
2: noise off the river to rock. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a hey, lot behind it. Hey, to a our host, Louis with, with
0: who, Mr. Brian Terry. Make hey, if you're curious to answer to any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we got Doug's Ben holding. Good morning, Doug. How's it going? Doing great, sir.
5: Doing great. I
3: got a '99 Suburban, and my running lights don't come on. Okay, they work, but the running lights don't. So. Yeah, the
0: daytime running lights. Doug, the most common thing on that, by wide measure, is the sockets are going to be burned up on it, and that's pretty common on that particular one from '99 on up to about 2007 or eight. They had a lot of trouble with that. I don't know if those sockets were undersized, or they just had a bad fit on it or maybe it was a special bulb and people put different bulbs in them but we change those sockets out all the time for that problem and you can plug a new bulb in and it might actually work for a little bit but it'll go right back out again because it's not making good contact but that's the most common thing what you can do do you have a voltmeter doug no i don't yeah i was gonna say if you had a voltmeter you can just pull a little part of the grill out where you can get to it go in and touch the two contacts if you got 12 volts there then it's gonna be the socket if you do not have 12 volts, you got to trace it back. And there are a few things. Yeah. There's actually a little lighting sensor. There's a
1: sensor in the middle of the dash right. that controls them. It, when it sees daylight, it turns them on, and when it gets dark, it turns them off.
0: Right. Now, one other thing that's kind of obscure, but you might just check, if it thinks the parking brake is on, it's going to turn the DRLs off. So check and make sure that switch on your parking brake is working. You hit the parking brake, make sure the light comes on. Right. And release it, make sure it goes off. Because if it thinks the parking brake is on, even if it isn't, it's going to kill your DRLs. Right, it will. All right.
3: Another question. Do y'all clean the headlamp lenses? Yes, sir. Mm hmm. Any idea what's that normal charge?
0: Probably around $95 to do the whole deal. That's sanding, cleaning, polishing the whole bit. It takes about an hour to do two of them. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, man. All right, 291 6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automobile, we would absolutely love to have you. And we're going back out phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe.
3: Hey, Lewis, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Tried to call you last week, but you never would give out the
0: phone number. On the
5: phone. <laughs> That's because <laughs> I am <was> recording. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could have called, you just wouldn't have got me unless you could call Cancun.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs>
3: Look, I got a 2005 Iron GMC. Yes, sir. I'm riding down the road, my crew's on, it cuts out. Okay. You can reset it, it'll run a while, and it cuts off again. Okay. So, could it be the brake switch?
0: It is possible. They do have a lot of brake switch failures on those, Joe. It will actually set a code. You can get the codes read, the body module, and it'll have a code of It's brake light switch related. Some of the things that can control that, one is a brake light switch. Two is the ABS sensors will actually affect it. Now, three is, this is kind of obscure, but are you getting a check engine light at all? No. Okay. Some things that set a check engine light, that set a code or a pending code are going to disable the cruise. So you might want to get the code scanned. Make sure there's, number one, not a brake light switch code. And number two, no other codes are pending codes. Because some pending codes will not turn on the light, but they will kill the crews.
1: Now, you're not going to be able to get those codes read at a parts place. Right. You're going to have to have a GM scan tool, a Tech 2 to plug into that unit to access the body control right. module. Okay. Those little parts readers and, and parts stores and code readers only read the PCM yeah, codes. Yeah, well,
0: they only read OBD-2 Emissions codes because that's what it gives them, but there's lots of other codes that can be in there. And if it's got a code in memory or if a code occurs, it's going to disable the cruise on GM. Right. So, you know, the cruise itself, there is no separate piece like in the old days because you got drive by wire. The throttle body is already there. And the PCM is already there. Basically, all they do is add a switch.
1: They're just commanding it from the you PCM. You hit the switch,
0: it tells the PCM how many miles per hour, and it just opens the throttle by that much. But it's no separate hardware like back in the old days when you had a.
1: Had the cables and the actuators right, and the right. switches and all that. You don't have all that right. anymore. So
0: generally, it's either going to be like a brake light switch, a code stored in memory, or an ABS sensor or something
1: along now, those lines no okay. uh, well i was we had one the other day we changed the brake light switch in and the cruise wouldn't work right until we actually cleared the code right for the brake light switch right you had to actually clear the code out of memory before right. it would actually, before it would actually it to work start
0: working again but i'm kind of thinking you may have some code that's popping up not turning the light on and
1: it, like you it's said a pending, code. It, yeah, a
0: pending code or something like that or like you said the brake light switch is another possibility we have changed a handful of just the switch switches But I would say a small handful, and that's a real pricey switch, so I wouldn't go after that first. I would probably – I mean, if you want to just throw something at it and hope for the best, the brake light switch is fairly cheap and it's easy to change, and they do go out a lot. So if you want to do something, you could do that. If that doesn't do it, then you can get it checked. and Make sure
1: you get a a quality – Yeah, good quality brake light switch. I
3: guess I'll try that. If not, I'll bring it to you. Yeah, if it doesn't, then we can
0: check it and tell you. Let
3: me say that. I changed the front wheel bearing.
0: Uh-huh.
3: You know, you got to buy a whole –
0: right Focus. that's right
3: right i mean the abs light is not on but that has something to do absolutely with it. yes sir
1: mm-hmm. it's possible it could be dropping a signal and as soon yeah, I mean, as it drops the signal it may drop well, it fast enough to kick the cruise out well, but not fast see, not enough to turn it the light on drop
0: the signal think it's going into abs so it's not going to set a code because it's just normal operation it just thinks it's going to abs it's going to cut the cruise off if it goes to abs well, I think so if, it if, to you yeah, i you have all that. <laughs> right. If ABS is actuating at all, and it may be subtle, you may not even be feeling it, But let's say you're driving down the interstate and it loses sight of that signal. Well, because you're not touching the brake pedal, it's not going to start pulsing or anything. However, it's going to drop your cruise out.
3: Right. Yeah, well, that's what it's doing. Yeah, it, it could just, very well uh, be. Mm-hmm. Could okay, be. I, got a, I got the same question. I got the same problem on a 2003 CR-V. It started kicking the cruise out. hmm So...
0: Kind of sort of the same things. I mean, almost all the cruises on later model vehicles are not a separate part. For instance, my truck, I've got an O2 model Chevy pickup. I bought it without cruise control. And the only thing I had to do to add cruise is get a switch. I hooked the switch up, and er I mean, even the light was already in the dash. Everything, all the software, everything was there. I put a switch in it and went to the computer and told it, hey, I got cruise now and enabled it, and it all works fine. So, it's not like the old days where you had a whole bunch of separate hardware to make cruise work. It's all integral to the car. So generally, if you've got a fault in the hardware, you can have some other kind of big problem too.
3: Yeah. Well, I'll just bring it in and let you check it. Yeah.
0: It, it's all right. Not a big fix. All right, man. All right, bye. thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, two nine 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, line, we'd love to have you. And we've got John online. Good morning, John.
5: Hi, guys. It's John from Toronto calling. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Good. I see you're back for your holidays. That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to that phone and, and wish you a happy Independence Day and all the other American friends there. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a little warm here today. It's, we're about an hour ahead of time. It's, it's 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> you call that warm, huh?
0: <laughs> that <laughs> may be my new summer place to go. Once <laughs> I retire, I'm looking for somewhere else in the world to go June, July, and August. Yeah, we're, I mean we're the rest get up of the year is them. gorgeous down here, but June, July, and August I just can't take it. <laughs> yeah,
5: I, I the laugh of it. Oh, we're going to get up to seventy-seven today. So. Yeah, oh, gonna, I have to open a shop in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I already got yep. one customer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd be bringing customers to you for sure. There you go. <laughs> and scout the place to see if you could find one. You maybe you wouldn't, but right. All right, John. And, let anyway, me tell you to have a great holiday and and thanks for everything.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thank man. you. Bye bye. Bye
5: guys.
0: Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you're part of the automotive. We would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you give us a call? We were talking about cars overheating, right. and Stuff such as that just before the break. And when an engine overheats, it does more than just damage the engine per se, right? For instance, people don't think about it, but the transmission is cooled by the engine radiator. Right. It
1: actually has a separate cooler inside the tank of the radiator. That's right. So
0: when the engine starts to overheat, the transmission is also overheating. Right. So it's not unusual when you get a bad overheat to end up with transmission problems Mm -hmm. soon thereafter.
1: Now, another thing is the air condition is dependent on engine temperature. Right, because you have the condenser sitting out in front of the radiator. Correct. And the airflow going through it should be adequate enough to keep everything cool well
0: that's controlling the head pressure which is going to the compressor and on most late model vehicles the manufacturers have realized what a problem this is Mm -hmm. so as soon as the engine starts to overheat it shuts that ac down
1: right that's one of the non-essential accessories on the engine that and that is the first one they shut down to also to protect protect the system and to decrease the load on the engine but if your car
0: doesn't do that when that engine temperature starts to go up The temperature of the condenser is also going to rise. Mm -hmm. And when the temperature of the condenser rises, the head pressure on the compressor goes through the ceiling. That head pressure may normally operate around 200 to 250 PSI. When the engine starts to overheat or air quits flowing properly through the condenser, that can go up to 400 PSI pretty fast. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That will damage the compressor. Definitely. And when the compressor is damaged, it comes apart strews metal throughout the entire system and you are normally looking anywhere from 2500 on up to repair those systems depending
1: on application and vehicle
0: well so many cars today have dual air you have a unit in the front and unit in the rear so now you you are contaminating two two evaporators two expansion valves i mean you're doing a lot more damage plus the rear unit is generally a lot more difficult to take apart and clean and change and all that
1: well and what you don't want to do is just go put another compressor on it
0: well we see that i mean absolutely every day someone will come in with a compressor failure and they went and put a compressor on it they spent about twelve hundred dollars last i guess the actual lifetime on that is from one to three months right generally so you just took $1,200 Twelve hundred bucks and absolutely threw it away. In sure, fact, worse because now you made it worse. You put even more metal into the system, so now you coming in. I'm telling you, it's going to be three grand to fix it. You'd have been better off just spending three grand up front, save the twelve hundred. Exactly. Now you had forty two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and your prognosis of a good job is less because you got more contamination in the system.
1: Well, at this point, you start changing all the pieces of the system. Pretty
0: much every piece is going to need to be replaced. Right. The hoses that have mufflers in them. The condenser, the filter dryer, all of that's going to have to be replaced because there is just no proper way to clean it. That's that right. Stuff to, it's so to the small. The has to be cleaned. Now, another thing that a lot of folks don't realize, but the water pump a lot of times when a car overheats will be damaged. Right. It may damage the seal in the water pump.
1: Right. That's a ceramic seal now. A
0: lot of times it is. And it may or may not fail or start leaking right then. But very, very often we get folks come in and say, my car overheated a hose blew out, I changed the hose, but now it keeps overheating. Uh-huh. And what happens, let's say the hose was just old and dry rotted and it blew out, and then it overheated the car, the car went 250 to 260 degrees, a lot more damage has occurred. So putting a hose on is just not going to feed the bulldog. Mm-hmm. So they continually have problems with it overheating. Each time it overheats, they do more and more damage. Right. And if they keep on driving a car, they may actually total their car. Before very long at all.
1: Well, sure, it's going to need an engine.
0: It hit very well, may, because you end up blowing the head gasket. Well, now you've got coolant leaking into the engine. You expanded the main bearings and all that stuff. You may have galled the bearings. You may have galled the pistons up in the engine. So let's say you get a car that's been overheated. It blows the head gasket. Well, now it keeps overheating. It overheats three, four, five more times. You go in, you spend $2,000 to put head gaskets on it, and it's burning all now. That's because the cylinder walls are galled it up. Exactly. So now you've spent all that money. You've gone through all this stuff. Or let's say you put a new hose on it. Well, now the radiator blows out. Because it's getting hydrocarbons in the coolant. It's overpressuring the system. It splits the radiator tank.
1: So you replace the radiator. You put a radiator.
0: Well, now it blows the heater core out. Right. You put a heater core. Well, it keeps overheating. So you just
1: bypass the heater
0: core. Next thing
1: you know, it blows the radiator out again. Well,
0: that or it just keeps on overheating. And it just sets up a chain of very, very, very expensive events that just keeps going and going and going. And we get this quite a bit where folks will come in, well, the car has been overheated once, and it continues to overheat. It's because of the collateral damage that's occurred. Exactly. Hey, one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with a lot more. Hi, folks. Louis Aldezan here from Agco Automotive. This year, we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries.
3: Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I
0: got to run, but I'll be back. Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Wow, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good, homegrown Louisiana success story except, well, maybe Palletickin' and my Tigers. Are them up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan of AgCore Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We'll be talking about cars overheating and the damage that occurs, but we'll be glad to talk about any topic you might have. You go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you
1: an answer to whatever's bothering you. That's right. It's 291 6901. That's exactly right.
0: And we were talking about all the things that go on and the things that happen and the damage that occurs. Now, the best way to deal with overheating problems is, is to prevent them exactly because trying to fix them is going to be expensive at best and very frustrating at sure. Worse. sure. but preventing overheating problems is generally relatively easy right one of the first things that you can do and that is to replace the coolant in your car because coolant does not have an indefinite life the original long life coolant that comes in most cars has at Absolute best, a five year shelf life or five year use life. life. The subsequent fills are going to fall to three years because you never get 100% out. And not only that, when the car is new, 100% of everything in there is new. Correct. When you change the coolant, only the coolant is new. So you still got corrosion and all the different things. So it goes to three years thereafter. Now, when you change coolant, it's imperative that it's done correctly because if you do it improperly, you can actually do more harm than
1: good. Most definitely. So you should always use a distilled water. Or a pre-mixed or pre or coolant. Or a pre mix coolant. If you use the distilled water, mix it 50-50 with the correct coolant for your application. Before you pour it into the car. Before you pour it in the car. It
0: will not mix in the car in many, many cases. So you want to pre-mix it in a separate container. That way you get exactly a 50-50 mix and then pour it into the car. Right. And... Be aware that there are just a whole bevy of different coolants out. They may all be either ethylene glycol or propylene glycol, but that is only the freeze side of the equation. Sure. The corrosion side varies. It's just a huge variance. In right. That. It has I, to be the right coolant.
1: I personally do not like the mix one fits all type coolants. I like to premix my coolant right. with the correct for the application and install it in the vehicle that right. way buy the concentrate
0: and mix it or buy whatever they sell for instance, if you have a newer toyota or a newer honda you can buy the honda or toyota pre-mix right and what it is honda and toyota realized that so many people were using city water city, rather right than not mixing water. it right they just started pre-mixing it and the only drawback is you're paying for water <laughs> you're paying for <laughs> a half a gallon of water yeah you're paying a half a gallon of water and you're <clears throat> paying almost the same price for the coolant so Correct. you're paying a whole lot more for the convenience as opposed to a concentrate. But in some of those cases, that's the only way to get the the coolant. For instance, Toyota and Honda both come pre-mixed. GM at this time still sells the Dex Cool concentrate. concentrate. Ford sells the VC7B as a concentrate. Chrysler has their long-life coolant as a concentrate, and so on. So when you get those, you have to pre-mix with distilled water before you pour it into the car. And... When you drain the cooling system, if you have the wherewithal or if you want to bring it to someone, many times they can remove one or more of the block plugs, and they can get a lot more of the old contaminated
1: coolant out. I know Toyota's real convenient with that. They actually have a a petcock on the block. You slip a hose on the the fitting, and you loosen the nut, and it drains the block. Right. Tighten it back up real clean. You hardly spill any coolant. The radiators are basically the same way. You open the drain cock, and you can drain the, the coolant out the radiator. You can get 95. I, I almost say 90% yeah, of the cooler, 90%
0: out that right. way. Now, if you can't do that, then you just got what you got. But the best thing is don't wait for it to become 100% depleted. In other words, don't wait for seven years to do this. Exactly. Because now what's left is so woefully depleted and rusty and corroded that it's you're not, never going to get it all out. Right. If you change it at, say, three years before it gets to that state, then what remains
1: in there is not going to be that much of an issue. you Say you happen to miss it or you end up not being able to drain the block out. Right. Go to a, a, a sooner interval of changing your cooling the again. The next time around. Right. Yeah, and that way you're getting more of it out. You could
0: physically change it running around for a day or two and come back and change it again, but that's very inconvenient and sure. very expensive. Costly. Yeah, you could bring it to a shop, and a lot of times they can get a lot more of the old depleted coolant out. But the point is to prevent all these other issues. Maintain the cooling system. Sure. Now, another extremely important thing is when the coolant level starts to get low, that indicates a leak. That's right. Because it's a a sealed system. Don't wait for that to turn into a major problem. When you see the coolant level going down,
1: address the problem. Sure. Don't just go add water to it or add more coolant to it. Right. It's going down for a reason. And if you get air trapped in that system, you can start a whole of corrosion going on. Well, now you've got dissimilar metals you've got a corrosive
0: liquid and you got oxygen which is a perfect storm for corrosion exactly and it's going to start eating the cooling system away
1: from the inside
0: and by the time you figure out this has occurred you probably going to be pretty close to totaling the car sure. because the
1: expense is just going to go through the ceiling i mean so a lot think of evaporator core yeah you got to take the entire dash out because yeah, the heater fire core the heater core i'm yeah. sorry mm-hmm. The heater core is actually bolted in the box, and the box is bolted to the firewall. In most cases, it is. So the whole instrument cluster, dash, and everything has to come out of a vehicle to change it. Easily $1,500 repair for something
0: that could have been prevented. Sure. And what happens is that once the corrosion starts, it starts to eat away at these little thin parts. It also produces aluminum oxide, which is an abrasive. The aluminum oxide starts going around, which wears holes right through these little thin parts. Sure. The heater core is probably the thinnest part in there. And it's generally going to be one of the first ones to go. The radiators the same way. You can mm-hmm. end up eating up a radiator.
1: And, and while we're on the subject of radiators, mm-hmm. radiators now are made of lighter materials. They're, well, made, they're made of, of, of aluminum and, plastic. and plastics, whereas before, back in the day, they were made of copper, copper or brass. Brass and they had steel tanks on them. Mm-hmm. All that was soldered together. It was a real robust unit. The units today have a life. Right. That that is a maintenance item. At Eight to 10, 15? Uh, 10 years, you need to definitely start
0: inspecting right. it. Personally, when my car owners my vehicle is 10 years old now, I'm looking at changing that radio. I'm not going to wait for it to give me trouble. Right. Because I know it's going to fail. It's kind of like a hard drive on a computer. It's not whether it will fail. It it's when. when. It is when it's
1: going to fail. Exactly. And
0: fortunately, with a hard drive, you can back it up, so it's only real inconvenient mm-hmm. but at least you can retrieve your data yes yeah, when that radiator blows out and you overheat the engine and gall the soil in the walls blow the head gasket and take right. out the transmission if you're, you're luck, not gonna recover from that if
1: you're lucky it'll start leaking yeah and you can catch it if you're not in a big bind with it but most of the time when they start leaking they split wide open under pressure mm-hmm. and release all the coolant. And a lot of times
0: it's a catastrophic failure. Then you've
1: got a, an overheating issue.
0: plastic tank goes out, and you on the middle of the 12-mile bridge. That's right. What are you going to do? You're not yes. going to stop there. So when you drive it all the way on in, you're going to be in some pretty serious issues with Definitely. time you get this thing stopped, what have you. So you know, if you look at your rated have it inspected, and what happens, one of the first signs you see the paint, because generally that plastic is not Uh, always black sometimes it's an off color and they paint it black to make it look like a radiator Uh that paint will start to peel off it turns kind of a brownish looking kind of chalky if you look real close you can see little tiny cracks all in that plastic especially
1: around the seams
0: right you can take your fingernail and kind of scratch it and you see the plastic is kind of brittle
1: yeah when that happens it's time yeah you're on
0: the last legs go ahead and replace it before it
1: breaks well sure replace it at your convenience that's right i mean
0: Another thing is that if the thermostat has not been changed, you might want to go ahead and change the thermostat at the same time because they do have a life. Yeah. Ten years is about it.
1: And the coolant's out of it anyway. Well,
0: and what happens, I find, is you have a thermostat that's been submerged in coolant for ten years, and all of a sudden it's drained out and the air hits it. That's when it it usually fails. Exactly. Within a week or so of draining the coolant, the thermostat ends up going out.
1: Then you have to drain the coolant again, go in, and change the thermostat. Why not do it all at one time? If you don't overheat the car. Right.
0: Now, one last thing I'm going to talk about, and that is the electric cooling fans on cars. Those tend to give a lot of problems. They do. And a lot of times you don't know that it's occurring. You'll see other little things. Like, for instance, your air conditioner may not cool as well as it did when you come to a stop. And that's because it's not moving enough air through that condenser. Mm-hmm. Now, that can actually end up taking out the compressor. So you don't want to keep on just driving the car or, worse possible, go ahead and add some more refrigerant to it because now you really, right. really... Made it a taken a big issue and made it into just an absolutely huge
1: issue. Sure. So
0: I see we're just about out of time. I want to go ahead and get on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd
1: like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends about us. Get us more people listening for That's us. That's right. We really appreciate that. And also go to your favorite podcast rebroadcaster.
0: If there's a place for a written review, give us a written review. We appreciate that. It moves us up in the ratings. More people can hear us. Makes it worth our while to come down here and talk to you. There you go. (laughs) Hey, Pre Sitting was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.